Brandon did. Uh, he hinted at it. I know we had just said we've been at a view on state for a long time. We had a nice long stretch here, but we do have one Sunday coming up next week uh, that we are unable to use their facility. Uh, so we're going to do a a quick little detour, revival back on the move, revival on the road. It's been a little bit. I think God was saying, you, you can't, get, you can't get, get too comfortable, all right? Like revival's always on the move and be ready to go where he calls us to go. And uh, he, he's opened up a place for us, at least for one weekend at Concordia, junior, senior high, right up there on 156th Street and Fort. Uh, so we'll be there next week. Uh, you can park in the back parking lot and enter in through there. Uh, they've got another event going on in the front parking lot that weekend, but we'll be right there, and they, they have two gyms. You'll see it. We'll put signs up, we'll have people out greeting, but we'll be in the auxiliary gym. It'll be easy to find once you get into the building. So join us next week for that. And then Easter, we'll be back here at a view after that. Uh, not right after, we'll be back here the weekend before, but we're going to do services at 9 a.m. and 11 and uh, we're still looking for a few people to help with Vive Kids. So if you'd like to volunteer in our kids' ministry, if you want to serve one and attend one, that would be a huge help for that ministry. Uh, that would be a great thing to be able to serve and minister and just plant seed in the kingdom. Uh, that's what we, we tell people all the time. Our kids' ministry, man, you get to plant seed, and you even get to see some of the harvest early on. Uh, we've got kids that are just on fire, loving what they're learning about the Lord right now. We've got baptisms for kids coming up, actually. We're waiting for it to warm up a little bit. We do a lot of our baptisms outside currently. So we've been waiting for some warmer weather. I think that's coming. All right. John chapter 8, verse 1. I know some of you are like, you were here last week. If you were here last week, you're like, we were just there. I'm going back. I'm going back. Our, our sermons here at Revival, if you've been here for very long, you might kind of notice sometimes it's like one continuous thought sometimes. Like God just kind of keeps building and building throughout some of our sermon series that we do. And we've been in this series on doors and what that looks like. And so John 8, there was something that stood out to me last week, and I couldn't quite figure it out. And I, I want to read it to you because later on that night, I read another verse. And so let me just read John 8, 1 through 11 for you, and then I'll tell you this other verse I found. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. This was all a plan, by the way. This was a setup. Okay, you don't just, they didn't just catch her in the act of adultery. She was set up. They didn't bring the man, they just brought her, okay? And they did it to entrap Jesus. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? They want to get him in a bind here. They want to get him to mess up. They want him get, to get him to trip up. They were trying to trap him, it says in verse 6, into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. And they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. 
And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. That, later that night, Steph and I, we lead a, a young adult Bible study at our house on Sunday nights. And uh, it, it's one of our favorite nights of the week uh, because it motivates us to get our house clean for the week. <laughs> we, we're always like, oh, man, it's, you know, we're tired and all that. We're like, we got to clean. And we're always like, we should just cancel group. Like every week, every week we have this talk. We should just cancel group tonight. But every time after group, we're always like, man, I'm glad we did that. That was such a good group. Plus, our house is clean for the week. This is amazing. It feels so good. We have three little kids, soon to be four. It's just so hard to keep up. We're just drowning in toys. <laughs> don't, don't buy my kids toys if you're ever trying to think of something nice for them. Like, don't do it, all right? We have enough. <laughs> we're sitting there in group, and we're, we've been studying through the book of Ephesians, and we're in chapter five, and we're reading along. And if you want to flip over there, go with me, Ephesians 5. I'm going to look at one verse in particular, Ephesians 5, verse 11. Uh, Here's what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. And and we had this long discussion about that verse. And and we just kind of went back and forth, different ideas. Because it it really, it, it seemed interesting. After we had just talked in church on Sunday that morning, Uh, about these men who came and exposed this woman and her sin in front of this crowd. And what does Jesus do? He he calls them out for bringing this into the light. And he says, you without sin, you throw the first stone. And and so we have this interesting talk. What does it mean as believers to take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness and instead expose them? In, in In one story, he tells them, who are you to expose this woman? But right here at Ephesians, it says to expose the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. And so we're kind of going around, how do you balance that as a believer? And that week, I I was still just kind of thinking and processing through that. And as I was thinking through, uh, one of the things I love to do is, anybody can do this. This is, with the internet, this is accessible to anyone. You can go to Bible Hub. Okay, it's this website, BibleHub.com, I think. Um, and, and you can look up the interlinear version of a verse. And all that means is you can see the English words lined up with the Greek, the original text that Scripture was written in. And so you can look up any verse. This is just me teaching you a Bible study hack. If you're just like, man, I want to go deeper, I want to learn more, I want to grow, I want to understand more about His Word interlinear. Look up any verse and just write interlinear behind it. If you don't know how to spell interlinear, you know, I I don't have it on the board. Sorry. All right. Find me after. I'll help you with that. (laughs) Somebody's like, yeah, me. Amen. All right. Ephesians 5.11. When you look at the Greek there, I I was looking at it for that word of expose. It it was so interesting because I I found it and it said elenko. All right, that's the Greek word for it. To expose, convict, reprove. To show to be guilty. And then it also brings up other verses that that, this word is used in. And it was used in John chapter 8. I was like, I was like, no way. When I read that in John chapter 8, I did not once see anything about exposing or convicting. I didn't see that in there. And now here's another Bible study hack for you. 
it's good to check different versions of Scripture sometimes. Go to the interlinear and then start to look at some of the different versions. I, I love some of these different versions. We, we use the NLT here. In fact, if you don't have a Bible, if you want your own copy, we just give those away out here. If you're new here, if you don't have one, I don't care. Grab one on your way out. We want you to have one. When you're here on Sunday, we want you to be able to get in there, open it up, look, highlight, make notes, do whatever you want, but just begin to understand and interact with God's word. That's what we're passionate about. That's what he's passionate about. He wants to speak to you. He has direct words that he wants to speak into your life because his word is living and active. And when you begin to open it and read it, there are things that are going to jump off the page to you and they are going to bring light and revelation and truth from his word into your life personally. You don't just have to wait till Sunday to get a word from the pastor. You can sit with the Lord and you can listen to him and you can open it up and let him speak right to you. So, check interlinear. Check some of these other sources out there. Check some of the different versions. The New King James Version of John 8, 9. I think I got that here. We can show that. It reads completely different than the NLT. I love the NLT because the NLT is so easy and simple to understand. That's why we use it a lot here on Sunday mornings. We believe it's just so uh, welcoming to anyone, uh, no matter what your Bible knowledge, what, what your understanding is. Um, it's just easy to understand for people. And it does a pretty good job in most places. But I was a little mad at the NLT this week when I finally saw the New King James, what they had for it. Because they did a better job with it. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience. That's not there in the NLT. Being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. You don't get that in the NLT. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away. They completely skipped by, convicted by their conscience. I don't know why the interpreters did that. I, I think sometimes, you know, it's easier not to talk about conviction. It's easier not to talk about exposing. But sometimes there's a need for it. Ezekiel 8, 5 through 13. And once again, if you've been here with us for the last few weeks, you know we've hit on this verse. I'm going to hit on it again. There's just so much. You can keep going back over and over to the same verse and read it a thousand times, and you could see something new. God could point something out diff different to you each time. But we've been talking about how our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And within the temple, Ezekiel gives us a picture of the temple. And there's the holy of holies where his presence resides. When you give your life to Jesus, when you make him Lord and Savior of your life, the Holy Spirit enters in. And he has a place within you where he dwells. Your spirit and his spirit come together. That's the holy of holies within us. But within us, if our body is the temple and we get a picture of the temple in Ezekiel, he shows us and explains what the temple looks like. He describes it. In one of the passages in Ezekiel, in chapter 41, it describes it as having 90 rooms within it. 
Think about the complexity of us as humans. 90 rooms within us that make up our identity, who we are, who we believe we are, what has happened to us, what will happen to us, the things that have shaped us in this world. Our education, our friends, our teachers, our relationships, our jobs, our money, our wealth, or our lack there of it, our health, or our lack there of it, all these different things that make up our temple within us. There's these rooms. And so with that description in mind, let me read to you Ezekiel 8, verse 5. Then the Lord said to me, Son of man, look toward the north. So I looked, and there to the north, beside the entrance to the gate near the altar, stood the idol that they that had made the Lord so jealous. Son of man, he said, do you see what they are doing? Do you see the detestable sins the people of Israel are committing to drive me from my temple? But come, and you will see even more detestable sins than these. Then he brought me to the door of the temple courtyard, where I could see a hole in the wall. He said to me, now, son of man, dig into the wall. So I dug into the wall and found a hidden doorway. Go in, he said, and see the wicked and detestable sins they are committing in there. This is all within God's temple. This is all happening within the temple of the holy God who said, you shall have no other God before me. Go in, he said, and see the wicked and detestable sins they are committing in there within my temple. So I went in and saw the walls engraved with all kinds of crawling animals and detestable creatures. I also saw the various idols worshipped by the people of Israel. Seventy leaders of Israel were standing there with Jazaniah, son of Shaphan, in the center. Each of them held an incense burner from which a cloud of incense rose above their heads. Then the Lord said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the leaders of Israel are doing with their idols in dark rooms? They are saying the Lord doesn't see us. How many times do we show up on Sunday and we're like, yes, the Lord is here, he's present, I know it, I can feel him, I'm experiencing him. But then we go back Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through the week and we think that we live outside of his eyes. We, we believe it. We believe he doesn't see it, he doesn't know, he doesn't care, he doesn't mind what's going on outside of Sunday mornings. The Lord doesn't see us. He has deserted our land. Then the Lord added, come and I will show you even more detestable sins than these. All throughout this temple, there's idol worship taking place. Within our hearts, within our temples of the Holy Spirit, we have to be willing to ask ourselves to sit with Scripture and let his word expose all the inner rooms to be able to dig within our own temples and ask him, Holy Spirit, reveal within me what it is you want to show me. Some of us, we just don't want to dig. We really don't. We're comfortable with how life is. We like how things are going. We don't want to shake things up. We don't want to dig. We don't want to find out what might be hidden within the temple. But as God's people, he's commanded us in Ephesians 5.11, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Expose them within your own soul. That, that's what was going on. When, when those religious leaders, when they brought that woman before Jesus, they wanted to expose her. They didn't want what was in them to be exposed. 
And that's what I believe. When it, when it says Jesus was writing on the ground, that's what I believe he was doing. There's a lot of theories on what he was writing. I believe he was exposing everything that was in their hearts, everything that was within their temples, everything that they had hidden and locked away and they thought nobody knew about, they thought nobody could see, nobody was there, nobody knew, but the Lord knew. He knew. It's a lot easier to expose somebody else than it is to let him expose what's within us. In fact, it even feels good. We get that sense of self-righteousness. We get that sense of pride, and we kind of think, I'm pretty good. I, I got a lot going on. I'm a good person. I I'm great. Compared to them, compared to this girl getting thrown out in front of all these religious leaders right now, they didn't catch me. Thank goodness. <laughs> if they did, it'd be bad. Dig. That's what this whole series has been about. Digging within us. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it, it doesn't even take that much digging. Sometimes the door is obvious within our hearts and within our lives. We know exactly where the idols are within us. We know exactly what it is we worship, what we spend our time, our talent, and our treasure on. Because right now, even, even in this moment, the Holy Spirit is convicting and exposing and saying, yeah, yeah, this is your idol. This is your idol. You care more about Taylor Swift than you care about me. That hit somebody, right? Yeah, that hit somebody. I was like, man, I'll drop $200 to go to Taylor Swift. I will travel across the country to see T. Swift. But, man, I, I'm a little tired. I can't make it to church today. Shoot, shoot. That's an idol. Some people don't want to hear that. All right, I'll do Husker football next. Man, I'll, I'll, I know, I know it's an idol. I my family, like we've kept, we, we kept idols on the wall in dedication to Huskers. Like we, we've got Scott Frost posters and jerseys and autographed footballs and, and we didn't miss games back when we had season tickets and we didn't mind missing church the next day. If, it was a night game. Like we didn't get home till 11. Traffic was bad. All right. We couldn't make it. We'll be there next week, Lord. It's idols. I'm not saying, like, like, don't hear me out wrong on this. This isn't religion. This isn't, you gotta do this, you gotta give up this, you gotta do these things. No, 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 listen to the Holy Spirit. Let him convict and expose you when you sit with his word and begin to listen and ask him, Lord, convict me of what the idols are within my heart. Idols that I don't even realize have become idols. Our money and our wealth, where it goes, start with that. Follow that. It's why he commands us and he tells us to give a tenth. He tells us to tithe. He tells us to give. I didn't have this written in. But once again, sometimes the Lord just puts something on me and I'm like, they don't want to hear me talk about money. He says, I want to talk about money. All right, we'll talk about money. Follow your bank account and you'll find your idols. If you really don't, if you don't know how to dig, if you don't know where to start, follow your bank account and you will follow your idols really quick. Like I said, you can start to look and you can see, man, go check your Wells Fargo. I mean, if it hasn't gotten hacked or whatever, I know all these banks are getting hacked right now. Check whatever bank you're in that hasn't been hacked and start to look and see, where's your money going? 
Is it going to trips? Is it going to travel? Is it going to these things? None of these things are bad, but if you're not even giving him your first and your best, it's an idol. That's why we give our first and our best to him. That's why here at Revival, like we have online giving, you can set it up and here, I'll just tell you, our house, our family, we set it up and we set it as recurring giving. So it's the very first thing. When we get paid, each pay period, it comes out. So we don't even have to be tempted to spend it or use it somewhere else. So it's not even there when we go to look. It's just gone because we want to give it to him first. We'll set recurring giving for things like MUD or OPPD and they jack up the prices whenever they want and we don't care. We just pay it because it's a necessity. But the Lord, uh, I don't need him. He's not a necessity for my life. Follow the bank account. for anybody that thinks, oh, this is just self-serving, this is just classic, like pastor, you know, wants him to, wants us to give money to his church, go to another church, give money there. You're not giving it to the church. You're not giving it to the pastor. You're giving it to the Lord. That's it, okay? I don't care. I told people from the very beginning when we started Revival, I, I don't care if we make a dime or not. It's not about making money. I don't care if I have to do this for free. If I never get paid, I've been called by the Lord to preach his truth. That's what I was called to do, and that's what I'm going to do. That's it. That's what I was created for. That's what I was created for. Now, I believe when we sow seed into the kingdom, we're sowing in for a harvest of righteousness. His word says that. We just want to hold on to the seed. That's all this money is. It's seed that he's given us. And we just want to hold on tight to it because we don't trust that there's more coming. And we're going to hold it and we're going to spend it on just what we want. But if we would just let that seed go, if we would plant it, what's better, eating the seed or eating the harvest that comes from the seed? There's an incredible harvest coming if we would just trust him and begin to sow that seed into his kingdom and not our own. There's something far greater. My family, we've seen it in our lives. God has provided in our lives. And we've stayed faithful in sowing seed into the kingdom. And we want to stay faithful sowing seed to the day he comes back or until the day we leave. Sow seed into the kingdom. It will break off any power that idols have over your life. Right now, I, I guarantee you, if you begin to sow that seed, if you begin to give him your first and your best, those idols, those things that have held on to those dark spots within you, within your temple, they will lose their power over you. That's one of the greatest ways to break off the power that idols have over us. There's no secrets from the Lord. There's no compromise between his word and the world. There is no middle ground. There is no both and. It is either or when it comes to the world and his word and what it says and the obedience he calls us to. We're not saved by obedience. We walk in obedience because he has been so good to us and because he's empowered us and gifted us with his Holy Spirit. But the world will tell you, you can have both. You can have me and you can have him. 
powers and principalities are at work in the darkness, and they want you to believe that you can have both. This is called syncretism. It's a mixing of belief systems. And Israel and Judah, the God's people in the Old Testament, they got this wrong all the time. God said, you shall have no other gods before me. But constantly, what did they do? They said, oh, no, no, we can have both. We, we can have the temple of the Lord who's good and awesome and he delivered us from slavery in Egypt, but we can also have some of these other gods that are a lot more lenient on some of the things that we like to do. The, one of the, the temples that they would set up was an Asherah pole. One of the idols that they would set up was an Asherah pole. Uh, I, we got kids in here. I'm just gonna tell you an Asherah pole, um, it, it is shaped like male genitalia, all right? That's as nice as I can say it, okay? And they would worship here. Asherah was a goddess of fertility. They set that up within God's temple. They thought we can have both. We can have the Holy One. We can have Yahweh. And we can serve Asherah because she's cool with whatever we want to do when it comes to sex. Because that's how, literally how they worshiped her. They had temple prostitute priestesses. Try saying that five times fast. Prostitute priestesses. I can't do it. All right? That's how they worshiped. That's syncretism. It's a mixing of belief systems. They would worship Molech. That was another one of the gods that they would worship. And with Molech, what they would do is they would sacrifice living children, babies, to this god. That was what they did. They would serve the Lord on Sunday, and they would serve Molech on Monday, and they thought nothing of it. They thought, oh, it's all the same gods, it's all one, like it's all good, you know, there's something good we can pull from each one. It's the same thing we're doing today. Every belief system in our world, we think, oh, it's all kind of good, nobody's wrong, everybody's right. That's what our world keeps telling us. Nobody's wrong, everybody's right. That's syncretism. That is a mixing of beliefs. It's saying they're just as right over there with their God and their goddess that they worship as we are over here. And they're just okay too, whatever they're doing with new age and all that stuff. And, and everybody's going to be fine in the end. Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 16, look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Once again, here's a great Bible study. Go back to that interlinear. That's what I did on this verse. I looked it up in the Greek, that word for innocent. What does it mean? It means not mixed, pure, simple. What is syncretism? It is the mixing of belief systems. What does he call us to be? To be as shrewd as snakes and innocent, unmixed, pure as doves. He says it so many times throughout. Be equally yoked. We're a young church. We've got a lot of young married couples, but we've also got a lot of young singles that are kind of like, I'd like to date. I'd like to get married someday. Good, do it. Like God says, like marriage is a great thing. It's not good for man to be alone, okay? We want you to date, all right? We, we're all for that. Guess what? His word, we want you to do it his way. Don't do it the world's way. What's the world say? 
you know what, try out a bunch of people, date four or five at the same time. In fact, nowadays, you can even, you know, you can get in a re- relationship with multiple people at one time. A thruple, a druple, a quadruple, I don't know. That, that's what people are doing nowadays. It's syncretism. And they're saying, oh, we're happy. You're lying. That sounds awful. <laughs> like, that sounds like hell. And it will be hell. And it will result in hell when we do things our own way and not his way. Follow his word because it's better than anything else. He says to be equally yoked. So guess what? If, I, don't, I don't know where you're at in life, but if you're kind of there and you're looking for that person, find somebody that's running this race and not the other race. Because if you find somebody that's running the opposite direction, guess what? Eventually you're gonna be heading that way too. Don't think like, oh, I'm going into this and I, I, there's potential. It's not your job to try and draw out potential as you try to date this person. That's not your job. Let the Holy Spirit work on them. If the Holy Spirit does a miracle and he convicts them and he changes them and they start running this race with you, great. You're not the Holy Spirit. That's not on you. You are not called to go and change him so you can date him, marry him, and be happy the rest of your life. That's not going to work. I'm telling you right now. Be equally yoked. Find somebody that is running the race with you. It's one of the best things I ever did. I found Steph. She was running this race. She was running a lot faster than me. I've had to catch up a lot over the years. But she pushed me to catch up. All right, worship team, you better get up here. We gotta close this out. There's one more verse I wanna read for you. Acts 5. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart. You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet and tucked him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. There's so much in this story. This is probably going to be next week's sermon. I I told you, it's just one continuous sermon all year long. It all connects. But I I just want to point out a few things to you. As believers, so often we think because we are filled with the Holy Spirit, because we've given our lives to Jesus, we've made him Lord and Savior, we think we are invincible to the enemy. 
We think the enemy's attacks, they have no effect on us. Demons cannot oppress us. They cannot, they cannot attack us. We cannot be demonized. Let me tell you something. What happened here? Ananias was not a fake believer. He, he wasn't like a, a, a faux believer. He wasn't just pretending. He was a real believer, a part of the Acts 2 church. He had experienced the full power of the Holy Spirit. He had probably seen incredible miracles. But there's still a part of him that even though he knew the truth of the, of the word of the Lord, even though he knew the Holy Spirit's voice, there's still part of him that wanted to live within the world. He still wanted to present himself in a certain way. He still wanted to be seen by others with respect. And he wanted to be respected as one of the great givers in his church. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Peter had told him, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? This one got me this week because there's so many times where we're just looking for something to complete us, right? Like Jerry Maguire, you complete me. Is that Jerry Maguire? Yeah, I think so. You complete me. And we talk about this a lot in our world, trying to find that thing that fills us. And this word literally means to be full, to be filled to capacity. He tried finding that filling through the world. Why have you let Satan fill your heart? He had the Holy Spirit, but he let Satan get a foothold and fill the rest. If we keep compromising with the world, trying to blend in, trying to have the best of both, if we keep looking to fill what's, what's missing within us, what's going on inside of us with what the world has to offer, we open ourselves up to the enemy. We open a door for the devil. That's it right there. If we keep looking for the world to fill what's going on within us, what we need to do is turn from the world and look for more of him because there is more to experience. In fact, even today, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can invite him in in this moment. If you want prayer, if you want to give your life to Jesus, this is a moment you can do that if you've never done it or even if you have done it, but you just want to experience more of him. Our prayer team will be right over here off to the side. If you want prayer for more of him, to be filled to greater capacity with his presence, this is a moment to invite him in. You can do it on your own in worship. You can ask for prayer from our prayer team, or I'll be over here. You can find me after. But invite him to fill what's missing. Invite him to help you dig and expose what's going on within you and the things that you keep seeking to fill the temple with that are not filling you, they're killing you. Invite him to expose every room within you to bring light into the darkness 
and he's going to change and transform you from the inside out. You'll never be the same again. Keep chasing after him day by day. Luke 8, 17, for all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Stand up, church. Let's stand up as we get ready to worship. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns, for he will bring out our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. You can do the right things, but with the wrong motives. That's what Ananias and Sapphira were doing. Ask him to reveal the motives of your heart in this moment and to purify them to begin the burning away of the world and the purifying of his Holy Spirit within you. God will give to each whatever praise is due. Live life with no secrets. That's the goal.